How are music therapists changing the lives of people in Canada? What is the latest research and trends? You are tuned into the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast, and we will explore these questions with our guests today. Let's get started. Welcome to the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast. We are your hosts, Adrian and Kathy. On today's episode, our guest, Chrissy Pearson, focuses on taking chances with her journey to become a music therapist and psychotherapist. She shares with us poignant stories of how she connected with clients in non-traditional ways and speaks to her passion for advocating for music therapy. And here's a little bit more about Chrissy. Chrissy received her Honours Bachelor of Music Therapy from the University of Windsor in 2002. She completed her internship at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre in Aging and Veterans Care. She is a certified music therapist, an MTA, a member of the College of Registered Psychotherapists, and a fellow of the Bonnie Method of Guided Imagery and Music. She has worked with people of all ages, facing a diverse range of challenges in settings such as community mental health, schools, long-term care, hospitals, and in private practice. Currently, Chrissy works in Toronto at Baycrest Centre in palliative care and inpatient psychiatry, and she is the clinical manager of the Music Therapy Centre and a consultant to the Canadian Music Therapy Fund. Chrissy is an active supervisor and has received teaching and supervision awards from both Sunnybrook and Baycrest. Over the years, Chrissy has served on various committees for the Canadian Association of Music Therapists. And during her time in Winnipeg, she spent a term as president of the Music Therapy Association of Manitoba, advocating for music therapy and providing presentations and consultations about the benefits of music therapy is an important part of her work. Welcome to the show, Chrissy. We are so excited to have you here today with us. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So during our discussion today, I'd love for you to touch on the idea of taking risks for great rewards. Can you share with us some stories about where you took a chance during your education or internship as a music therapist? A couple of things come to mind. And the first one is uh, a time during my practicum. I think it was my second practicum when I was, was doing my music therapy degree. And I was placed in a maximum security juvenile detention center, which, you know, even just hearing that as a student was like, oh my goodness, how, you know, how do I approach this? What am I going to do? And there was lots of learning that happened initially. And I had a client, an individual that I was working with, and he um, was pretty self-destructive and, and destructive of his, his property, destructive of things that were in his space. And the way that it worked was that if, um, if one of the the, the youth had done something wrong or broken a rule, they, they weren't given privilege to go to music therapy or to access things that were beyond where they were confined to. Um, and so that, that made it tricky for me to develop a relationship with, with this youth. And I had a really great session with him all of a sudden one day out of the blue where he, he opened up to playing some instruments he looked up, you know, usually he was looking, looking down at his lap and kind of begrudgingly participating. And so at the end of the session, you know, we, we had improvised some music. We talked about how it, you know, how the rhythm felt. And I remember it being the first time um, that I had really engaged in like percussion improvisation, was feeling really good about things. And at the end I thought, okay, how do I, you know, what do I do to help this happen again? And 
part of me wanted to just say great job and leave like way to go today. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? No, Chrissy, try something, try something different, try something that's not, this wasn't even a, a music therapy move that I made. It was a bit of a risk. And we used a piece of paper and some art supplies and created an agreement. And the agreement was if you become upset, if you become triggered, if you become sad, instead of, you know, tearing things off your wall, instead of hurting yourself, you will play the drum. And we, we made an arrangement with the people that look after the youth that he could have a small hand drum in his room. And the next week I arrived and his, one of his workers said, you're never going to guess what happened, but you know, I'll call him Sam. Sam hasn't destroyed his room at all this week. And we heard him playing his drum a few times and he's really excited to see you. And I thought, wow, you know, here I am barely, barely a music therapy practicum student um, and, and took a risk and it had huge rewards. And, and that felt, that felt really good. And I can remember thinking, okay, yes, I've got the music. Yes. I've got my music therapy training and I have these instincts that I can trust sometimes. And sometimes that's going to really pay off for my client. The other, the other risk I'm going to touch on completely unrelated to clinical Mm. stuff is that I, I took a risk. I believe in my third year. And, and I think, I don't think Jennifer Buchanan will mind if I use her name, but she was president of CAMT at the time. And she came to talk to our class. And I remember, I, I don't know why I felt kind of nervous, but she was a name that I'd heard before. And, and we had learned a bit about her. And so going to her talk made me a little bit nervous. And during her talk, she had asked if we had questions and I was really nervous to ask her a question, which is kind of unusual for me, actually. I'm, I'm usually not one to shy away from asking questions, but I did take a risk and I put up my hand. I don't remember what question I asked, but I remember having a discussion and, and that was that. And the following year, my friends and I took a risk and we drove from Windsor to Edmonton to go to the CIMT conference, which is a whole other kind of risk. We, we drove like 36 <laughs> hours without stopping. It was, it was a big risk I wouldn't take as an adult, but as a student, it made sense right. I guess, in my mind. But I'm really glad we took that risk. Going to the conference was a bit nervous making. The drive was daunting. But when I got there, walking through the crowds, all of a sudden I saw Jennifer Buchanan and she said, hi, Chrissy, I'm so glad you're here. And I went, she knows who I am. She remembers my name. And had I not taken the risk, you know, the year before and, and asked the question and engaged in the discussion, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe she would have come and said, hi, maybe I would have been brave to go and say hi. But those, I think when we're students, we need to take risks and make those connections and, not be afraid to speak up and not be afraid to approach some of the the people you're learning about that you will bump into at Mm -hmm. conferences, which is a really cool thing about, about our profession. I think. I love those stories and, (laughs) you know, really going back to your intuitive self and, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about your client and how you can really connect with them and serve them beyond the sessions that you're, you're with them. So that's awesome. And it's funny about the risks getting into a car with a bunch of people. (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree with you, but fantastic. You made it (laughs) and great. And so 
One of the themes that's been coming up in season one of the podcast is that music therapists are amazing at making things happen with their clients. Exactly like, you know, similar to the story that you just shared. Can you share with us another time when you might have had to take a chance with a client? Yes, absolutely. Um, A very specific story comes to mind. And this was was not too long ago, actually. So part of my um, professional music therapy career, uh, I work in a palliative care unit. And um, I'm only only on that unit one one morning a week. So I'm really not there as as much as I would like to be there. It would be great to be able to see these patients uh, more frequently. And I had a referral for a patient who um, was, and I do have permission to share this story. She, her family, she and her family were pretty clear that they would want the story to be shared for, for educational and, um, you know, spreading the word about music therapy purposes. Um, But when I first met her, she was very, very depressed, um, really not engaging with her family, not engaging with her, her, her circle of care and her medical team, and really expressed to the people closest to her that she felt useless, that she was stuck in bed, that she, you know, had no purpose anymore. And she'd kind of just tuned out and shut down. And to, to make that even more challenging, she, her diagnosis was a brain tumor that was really impacting her ability to communicate. Mm. So that, you know, really amplified her feeling, feelings of uselessness. You know, she couldn't a lot of the times communicate um, with the people around her. And so I, I was called in to try and connect with her. Um, a referral was made and the first four times. So for about a month, I would go to see her and she would say, you know, in, in the words she could find that it was nice to see me, but she was not interested in music therapy. Um, and I would, you know, gently ask if I could just stay and have a a visit with her for a few minutes. And sometimes she would say that that was okay. So it, it was one of those situations where I thought, okay, how much do I, do I keep going back? She's clearly telling me no, but she wants me to, to visit with her, you know, what do I do here? And so the first risk that I took with this person was, was that I kept going back and I kept going back, not to push music therapy, but to see if I could find a way to connect with her. And so always respecting her, her answer that, you know, no music therapy, but also using her invitation to visit for a bit as, as a way to maybe develop some trust and develop a relationship And so I'm going to say the fifth or sixth time I went to see this person, um, she was lying in bed and, you know, looked as, as she usually did. But when she looked at me, she couldn't get any words out and her eyes looked very sad. Um, I would say they even looked a bit scared. And so I, again, using some intuition said, you know, this looks like it's really distressing for you. And she nodded her head and I said, you know, based on, on what you've chatted with me over the last few weeks about, I remember you telling me that you and your kids used to go camping. You know, I happen to know some, some campfire type songs. I wonder if I could just sit with you and, and play some songs for you. And she nodded her head and, and said, yes. And so I thought, okay, good choice, good risk. And <laughs> in those moments, I think even no matter how many years we've worked, we get, we get, um, 
those sort of nervous butterflies in our stomach still, at least I do, where I'm thinking, okay, this could either be really helpful for this person, or they're going to ask me to leave, which, which is also okay, but I really want to be helpful. And so I got the guitar out and I sat down beside her and, and I took my time so that she could really take in what was happening. And, and, you know, I didn't want to startle her or create anxiety for her. And then I had to figure out what song to play. I thought, okay, here's another (laughs) risk, Chrissy, is that she can't talk to you. You know, she, she's not able to, to write down something or, or to communicate a song to you. Yes. Campfire songs. There's like, you know, how many campfire songs out there and what's one person's campfire song is not another. So, you know, what do you choose? And uh, I mean, the obvious one came up, Kumbaya, right? People sing Kumbaya around a campfire. So let's, let's take a risk, but let's make it a safe risk. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her if I could sing that song and she clearly nodded her head. Yes. So I'll, I'll fast forward to the following week. So I, I did sit with her and I played some songs and she nodded her head between songs. And she, you know, I, I, after, and stay long, like maybe 15, 20 minutes, um, said, you know, it looks like you're tired had my, took my exit and, and called that a success. And the next day, not next day, the next week when I arrived, um, she was able to, to speak with me. And she said, you know, thank you for, for staying last week. I know I've told you no to music therapy. I don't think I understood that, that it might be useful even in a really uh, passive way because she was so concerned about being so passive. Right. So I think initially it made sense then that, that just listening, what she thought would be just listening to music wouldn't be, uh, meaningful for her. And so I'm, I'm glad I took that risk. Our, our work went on to include a lot of songwriting, um, which took a lot of risk taking on days when she couldn't speak with me to, to interpret where we were going in the direction the music was going you know, mm-hmm. that led to creating a recording. Um, it led to some great learnings around music in the brain because we figured out that even that when she couldn't speak or find words to speak, she was often able to um, musically repeat what I was doing. So we were able to have sort of a call and response musically, which she really felt empowered with. So I really think with with this particular patient, I was constantly taking little risks and. Mm. Um, and I'm really glad that, that I did. And sometimes I was totally off, like the risk did not turn into (laughs) something successful, but because I felt like she was trusting me, it it felt more and more safe to take those risks that, that I figured she and I would, even if it was without speaking, figure out if, if the answer was yes or no, or move forward or Mm. back off. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it turned out to be, uh, several months of working with her and then having a a CD launch with her family to, to say goodbye and to have some closure. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing that story. Yeah, it was, it was a special one. Chrissy, you have had diverse experiences throughout your career, working in Manitoba at Sunnybrook and Baycrest. So can you tell us about how you took a chance and discovered your opportunity to work with the Canadian Music Therapy Fund? Yes, I can. I, I, when I moved from Winnipeg back to Toronto, so I spent four years in Winnipeg with my partner. And when we decided to come back to Toronto, um, I actually didn't have any work lined up. And so, you know, talk about risk, right? It's like, okay, let's, let's move to another city and, and figure it out. 
Um, and when I moved back, there was some opportunities to do some clinical work at the music therapy center and the music therapy center, uh, is a project of the Canadian music therapy fund. So when I worked there, I very quickly got to know the charity and the work of the charity and working there. I often participated in some fundraising and, you know, would, would go to the events and got to know the board members. So it was a really, um, it was really neat to, to start working with them. I initially was only two clients I was working with, but it was, it's one of those places where, you know, you may start off working with one or two people and then the work could grow into, you know, a couple days of, of contracts. So it was, it was a really small start and I wasn't sure if it was worth my time um, because I'd moved to Toronto and I needed to make money. <laughs> So, but I really, um, I'm glad I, I took that risk because it was turned out to be a good fit for me in terms of my values and, and how I liked to work with people. Um, and so after I'd been there for a little over a year, my, my caseload there had grown, uh, to include more than the two I started with, which was great for, for me just, you know, in, even in a practical way with, with my financial needs and, there was some transition with the charity side of things and they were looking for someone to step in to help with fundraising and education. And someone approached me and said, Hey, would you, would you be interested in doing this? And I thought, well, of course not. I'm a music therapist. I, you know, I don't know anything about, you know, educating people in the public. I don't know anything about helping to raise money. Like I'm not sure that I would be good at this. I would hate to let people down. Um, so I thought about it for, for about a week and consulted some of my mentors to say, Hey, what do you think of this? I think it might be, I think it might be crazy, but I also still needed some hours in my week and could use the money. Like, you know, there were lots of factors that played into this, but ultimately it did feel like a scary jump to take, you know, do I, do I do this? It's way outside the box for me. And it's not music therapy and all I want to be is a music therapist, but it's a music therapy charity. And I really believe in the work that they do. And I, I really value the music therapy center. So I said, yes, um, sure. It was a few hours a week and it was, you know, doing things like talking to the media about music therapy, um, helping the, the non-music therapists who work for the charity to better understand music therapy and, you know, reading the newsletter before it goes out to make sure that everything that was about music therapy was written properly. Um, so it turned out to be, uh, again, a risk that paid off because I, so that was in 2010 and I'm, I'm still working with the Canadian Music Therapy Fund today uh, in different capacities. And what started off um, with two clients through the Music Therapy Center, you know, I'm now uh, two days you know, I'm going to say two full days, whatever that means in, <laughs> in hours when your contract work that shifts every, every once in a while, but it really pushed me to, um, to think about what I had to offer beyond just being in the clinic room with someone. And yeah, it turned out to, to be a great risk to take. Mm -hmm. Honestly, when I think of the Canadian music therapy fund and the music therapy center, it's your face. It's you that comes to mind. So <laughs> that, and I mean, I'm, I remember the weasel Palooza days, like I've mm -hmm. been around for a while, but you are, you're a leader there. And as the music therapists, you know, 
um, feet on the ground, we look to you as as a leader there. So, wow, thanks, Adrian. That's yeah, nice. <laughs> no, that's the truth. And and one of the reasons, I mean, I've heard you speak and represent the music therapy center in the media, and you do such a great job of of educating and you know, these are the reasons we wanted to have you here today. Um, (laughs) I'd love to hear, I know the Canadian Music Therapy Fund supports music therapists in accessing grants or funding to help support their work. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Sure, absolutely. So um, the next opportunity is actually going to be coming up this spring. Um, we're, we're doing a fundraiser called Song Session for the Frontline, which is our pivot when, when COVID happened, we had to take our events online. Um, and when mental health and healthcare workers became clearly became um, a really, really big crisis and concern, we thought, okay, let's raise money to help those folks. Mm-hmm. And working at, at Baycrest and, and seeing, you know, outbreaks happen and seeing the stress on not only, you know, the, the nursing staff and the, the medical team, but the allied health staff as well, myself included, you know, it's, it's really, um, this last year has, has been challenging. And so the fundraiser right now is to help raise money for music therapists to apply to provide music therapy for frontline healthcare workers. So last year, uh, we were able to grant three music therapists money for their projects. Um, it's looking like our fundraiser is doing well this year. So I'm hoping that we can do the same, if not more this year. So So that's one granting opportunity right now that I'm hoping music therapists across Canada will, you know, will think about um, projects they might want to do for frontline healthcare workers and supporting their mental health. Um, There's other opportunities for for students. There's the George Strombolopoulos scholarship that students can apply for. Um, And in terms of ongoing grant opportunities, folks can always reach out to us. Um, The general email address is info at music therapy fund. Um, and people can can be in touch to see how there are other ways we can support them by trying to match funding to them in their community. Uh, there's a few a few ways that we do that. Great. I'm really happy to hear that that's happening. That's um, really excellent information for music therapists from right across Canada. Another theme that's come up this season on our podcast relates to how innovative music therapists are. So can you speak about how you have opened up to new ideas and how this is this helps in moving our profession forward? Yeah, I think that the, the pandemic has forced us to. Um, a lot of music therapists have had to pivot and take their services online, which as anyone who... Um, who knows about music and video conferencing, that's just really challenging to do for, for music therapists. So that's been, been a huge change that I've been part of in a couple of different healthcare settings. And that I think has really um, helped to move us along in terms of opening the door to new opportunities and new ways to reach people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've really had to problem solve how to make the music park work. And I think a lot of music therapists have done a great job at that. And the other way we've we've shifted, certainly the work I do at the Music Therapy Center, is we've started offering what we call music wellness sessions, because a lot of the times meeting people for the first time online or meeting large groups of people, it's really hard to develop therapeutic relationships or to feel like we can safely offer what I call therapy um, and sort of the going deep into things. And wellness to me kind of feels like... Um, 
a more surface level way to support people just in the moment. So whether they come back for another session or not, here's what I can offer you right now. Here's something you might be able to do on your own and, or, or maybe even a psychoeducational workshop. I think music therapists have a lot to offer beyond strictly therapy. At the same time, I think we have to make sure we explain to people what we're offering, whether it's therapy, wellness, education, whatever the the umbrella is, I think it is our responsibility. And music therapists really have an excellent skill set to be able to do that. And music, as as we know, is such a connector. Um, I would imagine that some of these initiatives will likely continue after this time is over. You know, we've... Yeah, for sure. Learned a lot and maybe laying the groundwork for the new way of, mm-hmm. of what's to come, you know? I think it's been surprising how much of it has been better for some people. Yeah. And well, and accessible, right? Yeah. I think yeah. that's truly accessible to people who aren't able to access services and supports in person. And yeah. so, yeah, opening that up. Thank you so much for being with us today, Chrissy. It, we have learned so much and I really appreciate your message about being brave and having courage and taking risks Mm -hmm. and your honest open sharing about how even a seasoned music therapist gets those butterflies going into that room I say that to (laughs) to students and interns a lot you know even even those of us who've been doing this for a long long time you know still feel that sense of anticipation and I think what you've shown us especially in the stories that you've shared today is that it's worth it to push through and and often the rewards you know come your way it was so fantastic to listen to the stories that Chrissy shared with us today and uh, her vast experience working in different settings. And one of the things that struck me was about using the resources or knowledge of the environment to really make a more thorough therapeutic experience that is client-centered, really. So, you know, for example, with this the um, young men in the juvenile detention center and the fact that he was physically, you know, acting out when he was upset and, and that Chrissy thought about that, took the time, what would be a great instrument for him to use something that he could keep with him, that the center would allow him to use and a drum, what better way to let out aggression than to use a drum. And just the fact that they resourced some craft supplies and made that agreement, I found um, just super resourceful. And then again, with the palliative care uh, experience and how she knew the family liked to go camping and really integrated that to form that connection and took a risk. And like she said, it didn't always work out, but I think that uh, in those cases, it's very inspiring to take those risks. And from my perspective, as an entrepreneur and business owner, taking risks and being creative is it's basically everyday thing and as music therapists you are entrepreneurs in some cases you are business owners in a lot of cases as well and so you know having the courage to take those risks is important in this profession and I think she illustrated that very well today and I know something that was uh, that struck 
you in terms of the interview was the fact that no matter how much experience you have as a music therapist, there's still a little bit of butterflies. Can you share more about that? Absolutely. Yeah, I was saying that when we were chatting with Chrissy, you know, like that feeling of uncertainty of, um, okay, my gut instinct is telling me to do this. And um, creatively, I think this might work. And so I'm going to try, I'm going to push through those nerves, I'm going to lean into this. And it might really pay off, it might really be worth it for this person. And if you don't listen to those instincts, and you don't take the risk, then what? Well, you'll never know. So in order to benefit our clients and to help the people that we're there for, we need to be able to be in awareness of that feeling and then lean into it. Thank you for joining us on the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast. To learn more about resources from the show, please visit beyondthestudio.ca. Thanks for listening.